So, Josh, are you a millennial? I feel like you are. Well, I don't want to say I resent that, but I sort of do, because I'm not a millennial. I'm Gen X. So we've got two Gen X people chatting about generational differences in the workplace. But do you feel old at work now? Yeah, it's appalling. I feel truly old at work for the first time. I feel misunderstood. I feel like I always get it wrong. And previously, I always had that feeling that I was still climbing the work mountain. And now I've accepted that I'm actually on the older side. And pretty soon I'll be thrown off the mountain. (laughs) Hello and welcome to Working It with me, Isabel Berwick. I'm here with my colleague Josh Chaffin, the FT's New York correspondent, and we're talking about generational differences at work and what businesses are doing to bring young and old colleagues together. Josh, what do you think are the benefits and maybe even the downsides of multi-generational teams? Well, I think it's enriching to have people of all ages working together. And I hate to fall into a stereotype or a cliche, but as an older person who is really not very comfortable with technology, it's certainly useful and helpful to have younger people who are very adept at it. But I think it's also great just bringing in cultural references and all the rest of it, you know, what music people are listening to, what they do on the weekends. Even if I'm not doing those things anymore as kind of an old suburban person with kids, I like hearing and knowing that younger people are still going out and doing their things. So I think that's all great and very human. And I hope that they find some benefit in our presence and don't just look at us with kind of pity as older people with seemingly boring lives. But I think they would have to answer for that. I think we do get benefit by association. I certainly do from working in an office with younger people. But I think some of the issues, some of the problems with multi-generational teams are around different expectations. For example, there's some very big studies that show that millennial and Gen Z workers, they really do expect a lot more from their managers. I might go so far as to say they expect their manager to be a therapist. And I think for people of our generation, Josh, we were brought up not to talk in the office or not to cry. I'd say that was the biggest barrier between teams that I've come across. Would you characterize it in the same way? Yeah, I think that is a a big one. And it goes beyond that, I think, too, in the, the sense that younger workers seem to have a lot of expectations about how the company responds to things going on in the wider world, to social issues. And I don't think that we ever thought about that. You know, does the company have to make it a statement when there is a big case of police or racial abuse that's really inflamed or upset people. It just wasn't something that we looked for the company to address. It was something that we would discuss among our friends or families or kind of in our own time. But now there seems to be a real expectation that the head of the company has to weigh in on all of these things. And I'm not sure where the line gets drawn on that. I don't think there is a line. I think it's something that's being worked out in real time, as we've seen over the last couple of years. And companies stumble, you know, people stumble. There's been lots of missteps. But I think there are ways that companies are trying to address this quite structurally. For example, reverse mentoring, where the mentor is the younger partner in the partnership. So I actually met up with a mentor and her more senior mentee from Santander, the bank, last week. Well, I think before our first meeting, I did think it was a bit daunting. You know, you have that kind of feeling of 
what could I teach Alvaro or how could I be his mentor? That's Philippa Whelan, who works in the International and Sector Solutions team at Santander. She's a young millennial and since 2018 she's been mentoring her older and more senior mentee, Alvaro Romero, who's the bank's managing director for London and the southeast of England. So personally, this was helping me to have a better understanding of the day-to-day, what's going on in the ground, you know, to understand a different mindset, to test uh, kind of ideas, to make better decisions, etc. It's just a really great way to share ideas and to learn from each other. And I think as long as you both from the outset agree that what you say is confidential, that you're aiming to work collaboratively, that if you challenge each other, it's done in the right way and... Once you actually get into the relationship, as long as both teams are open-minded and want the process to work, then it really can be great. I think that's an important point, uh, Philippa, is that uh, relationship of trust Mm. you are creating. Once trust is there, it flows very naturally. And that set of conversations are so important for the organization to keep live, to keep going. So I reckon this is a really good idea because it's really easy to get isolated at the top. And Josh, when you go out and report, do you sometimes get that impression from CEOs and senior people that they're not hearing feelings on the ground from their workforce? I have the impression that they struggle with this a lot because they're hiring companies to try to tell them how people feel inside their own organization. Nobody ever wants to give the boss the unvarnished truth. And I think that even we get a lot of surveys from the organization, and I think the FT sincerely wants to know how people feel. But it it seems like it's a constant effort and challenge for all organizations, for management to really understand how people are feeling, particularly further down the chain. Exactly. And I think part of the problem with employee surveys has been that people who are disengaged and angry tend not to fill in employee surveys. They might just moan to their colleagues or leave, actually, at the moment. And I guess one of the other things is about learning the tech. I think one of the original reasons for reverse mentoring that I saw cited was essentially, you know, young people showing older people how to use Instagram. I think it's moved on a bit since then, but quite often businesses run on a need-to-know basis. And I think a lot of younger employees want a huge amount of information and they want constant reassurance. This is why Slack's so popular in a lot of tech and startup businesses because there's constant information sharing. But in a traditional business, it's quite siloed. You know, information travels upwards and it hasn't caught up with the fact that people are sharing all sorts of information on all sorts of channels about all sorts of things. But this is where I have to embarrassingly admit that I don't use Slack. For some reason, I just decided it was one technology too far for me. So I am on email and I think I probably miss a ton of inter-office discussion. And maybe in some ways it's helpful to avoid a lot of it and just kind of get on with your work. But I'm sure that I'm also being deprived of other things. I think you might need a mentor, Josh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I had a mentee and I found over time that I'm not sure which way the mentoring was going because this mentee was so together and composed and wonderful. But I felt like I was sort of the needy one in the relationship pretty soon. And it was kind of going the other direction. So I'm not sure how that, if it was intended that way. And maybe that's just my own neediness, but it can be confusing trying to work out what we do. I think we're in a really strange moment, a moment of flux, and I think it will work out for the better, but we're in a very strange and confusing moment for more senior and older people in workforces. 
But what about more junior team members? Here's Philippa Whelan again. I think for me, there's been multiple benefits. One of the obvious ones is having that connection and that relationship with someone senior in the organisation. And particularly as Alvaro and I, whilst we both work within the same kind of division within corporate and commercial, we work in separate areas. So I knew who Alvaro was before we started the programme, but I didn't really know him. So now having someone that I feel comfortable that I can just pick up the phone if I've got something that I want to run by him or, you know, I'm having any problems. I think that's really helpful. I also think it's helped me with my mentoring skills. So I'm actually also a mentor for one of our apprentices. So someone who's just starting out in the bank and just starting out in their career. And I think it's that sort of confidence and I guess validation that if I can be a mentor for someone in Alvaro's position, then I can definitely do it for someone who's newer to the business. I think all of this sounds great and I'm trying to think of some downsides and I can think of some ways maybe when it could be damaging to the career of either of these people. I mean, sometimes it's better to be at arm's length from the boss level of the company. I think sometimes standing out when you're too young isn't helpful. You know, you might do or say something damaging and actually it goes on the other side as well. I think there's a huge fear of saying the wrong thing or as we might put it, being cancelled from older people at work and elsewhere. I mean, I haven't seen this happen, but I'm feeling like it could be a potential worry. Yeah, I made a real point of not standing out early in my career. (laughs) Um, I think going the other way too, if there's an expectation that it's kind of a transactional relationship, that I sign up to be your mentee, then I should expect a promotion at some point to result from it, then I think that's unhappy and unfortunate for everybody. But I think as you talk to younger colleagues about some of the things that they're dealing with, it also forces you to rethink how you've approached things and what you believe about how things should be done or what have you. So I found that enriching as well. A lot of things that had become habit or intuitive or maybe I hadn't really reexamined them. You know, when somebody asks you, then you have to take the time and think, well, what do I really believe about this and how should we do it? And what would I tell myself if I were now 25. So I thought it was useful. Yeah. And I think that's important because we talk about a lot of these things that are implicit, but actually by getting into these formalized relationships, you are explicitly passing on an idea of corporate culture, which particularly in the pandemic has perhaps been lost in some aspects. And I know that new tech companies and startups are often quite explicit about corporate culture. They have handbooks, they write down what their values are and their culture. But in legacy companies and older companies, it's all in the heads of the people who've worked there for a long time. And that's surely a big plus of anything like this is passing on that knowledge, even if the younger person doesn't really see it in that explicit way. For people like me, I might be quite aware of that. I would add to that. I think people of our age and maturity, we tend to get a fixed idea of what the culture of the place is. And we must have settled on that at some point in our career and our our time in the organization. And I think we can be at risk of losing sight of how the organization is changing because the people are changing. And the people we came up with may be leaving and a lot of new people are arriving. And I think if we don't take that on board and if we're not exposed to them, if we just sort of wall ourselves off with the idea that they're younger and not as valuable or don't have as much time in the organization, then I think we lose sight of the way things have changed and are changing. So it's important, I think, for us, too, to to remain relevant. 
Yeah, you've just challenged my idea of corporate culture there, Josh. That's pretty good. <laughs> but a lot of these things are aimed at younger workers. You know, there's a lot of effort going in right across workplaces to engage workers in their 20s and 30s so they have good career progression, which is what they expect. They expect a fast career progression. They don't sit around waiting to be promoted like we all did. But there are many Gen X and boomers in workplaces who are perhaps feeling disengaged. There's a lot of ageism around. Have you come across anything, especially post-pandemic? What's the situation in the US, for example? I think older people are resigning at an even faster rate, aren't they? I think a lot of people are leaving and taking voluntary retirement, and that's probably for a lot of different reasons to unpack. But I think there is probably a feeling that there is so much focus and attention on this younger generation, which is frankly bigger, I think, numerically than our generations. And they do a lot of jobs that maybe didn't even exist when we were starting out because of technology. So that also makes them very important. And in fact, I was interested because Alvaro said in our conversation that he'd met a young colleague who'd never sent an email before he started work at Santander. And it was all IM, instant messaging. So, you know, that's a generational difference that I hadn't even thought about. I could be an amazing mentor to that young person. I could show him email. I could open a physical newspaper for him. I could show him an old television without 4,000 channels. And that might be enriching for him. So it's been a really interesting discussion. I think we have to be really careful not to be transactional in our relationships in the workplace, particularly between generations. It's so easy just to talk to people who share our cultural references and outlook. And that actually goes beyond generations. It goes to all these other differences that we have with people in the workplace. So this is actually a much wider conversation. But I think the idea of reverse mentoring is something that probably should be much more widely adopted. There are a couple of potential downsides. I think worry about saying the wrong thing on both sides might hold people back. But I guess you can overcome that with getting to know someone better. And that's what it's all about, really. And generational difference in the workplace, to me, will always just be oat milk in the fridge. Many thanks to Philippa Whelan and Alvaro Romero from Santander and to my FT colleague, Josh Chaffin. If you want to read more about reverse mentoring and being a manager in a multi-generational workplace, I'll put links to some FT articles in the show notes. And please do get in touch with us. We want to hear from you. We're at workingit at ft.com or with me at Isabel Berwick on Twitter and Instagram. Working It is produced by Novel for the Financial Times. Thanks to the producer Anna Sinfield and executive producer Joe Wheeler, with research from Pippa Smith and Lee Meyer. We have editorial direction from Renee Kaplan and production support from Persis Love. Next week, we'll be talking about side hustles. What are they? Why do people do them? And should you care if you discover your team have got a business on the side? 